Our sermon series this month is looking at the Lord's Prayer. The only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them was how to pray. In response, he gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. Last week, our pastor, Alan Duncalf, spoke about God's provision. Give us this day our daily bread. This morning, we move on to God's forgiveness. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is the only part of the Lord's Prayer that has a footnote. We find the footnote in verses 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Anyone with even an elementary knowledge of the Bible knows that no one goes to heaven if God hasn't forgiven his or her sins. This petition is a daily reminder to keep short accounts with God. If someone has sinned against us, we need to forgive and forget immediately, which means we don't keep talking to God or others about it. What will help us forgive others is remembering the thousands of ways that we have sinned against God in big and small ways. If God can forgive us of all our sin, then we should be able to forgive others their sins against us. Jesus says we need to forgive 70 times seven times. This is an expression for without end. No matter how spiritual we think we are, if we're holding a grudge, our spiritual life is on hold or in serious decline because we've given the devil a foothold in our life. Good morning, everyone. Good, morning. Good to see you today. And we are, we got one more week after today to discuss and to study the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I know that I've had a lot of great feedback from people. Uh, some people have never prayed through the Lord's Prayer before, but they've, they're starting to do that. And uh, the, again, their feedback has been fantastic. Some of you have experienced new dimensions in prayer that you'd never known before. I told you before that I first discovered this way of praying in my uh, mid-20s. I didn't even learn in Bible school, if you can believe that, how to pray. It wasn't until, I, until somebody gave me a book to read on the subject, uh, particularly on the Lord's Prayer, that I began to pray through this prayer, and it really revolutionized my life. Do you know that in the Lord's Prayer, we have uh, instruction for living, instruction for life, and we see the whole gospel actually wrapped up in that, in that prayer, and we said that, that, that this prayer is, is, is not a prayer so much as it is an outline or a guide. Now, the simple fact of the matter is, is that most of us just don't know how to pray. In fact, I, I gathered some prayers written by some children, and I think you'll see that, that there's a lot of adults that pray very similar to, to, to children. And, and look at this one. Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> and that was little Joyce that wrote that. And... And then there's this one, Dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year. And that's what you call proactive praying. Uh, you're, you're anticipating. You're, you're, you're anticipating God. And here's, here's one from Jane. Dear God, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you got now? I thought it was hilarious. Here's this one. Sam, dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I get big, but not with so much hair all over. <laughs> and I think that's a real good prayer. But it, I don't think God answers that prayer. Um, here's one. 
Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there now. And I think we have to agree with Ginny on that. But the good news is God answered that prayer, and we've got Louis Riel Day a week from Monday between Christmas and Easter. Our prayers, really, uh, as adults, not, not much better than that, because, because we, we simply don't know how to pray. We don't know what we're supposed to do. Um, Jesus said this, uh, when you pray, whenever you pray, pray like this. And we find that in Matthew 6, 9, and also Luke 11, too, because in Matthew and in Luke, there are versions, there are two different versions of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the thing that God wants us to understand is that, again, it's an outline, it's, it's a... It's an agenda, if you will. Every time we meet with God, we go through God's agenda, and we discuss the things that God wants us to discuss, and we see it actually in the Lord's Prayer. And so Jesus says, whenever you pray, pray like this. One of the people in our small group uh, made a really excellent point, and he said, you know, if Jesus tells Christians to pray like this, uh, how come Christians don't pray like this? Very profound question. And the fact is, is that many of us have prayed all kinds of different types of prayer. Most of, them, most of us pray prayers of, of emergency, God, I'm, I'm in need, help, help, help. But God wants to have a conversation with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He, there's certain things he wants us to go through every day in our relationship with him. So let's recap the Lord's Prayer, understanding that this is the way to pray every day. The first thing, the first petition is, our Father in heaven. Now, the emphasis on this point is the word heaven, because what you need to understand is that God is, is in his, uh, we call it a, the Eden headquarters. That's why we kind of made, made our set look like the Garden of Eden, because it's, it's, in, it's in God's Eden headquarters that we, we find the throne room of God. And every day, when you go to meet with God, you close your eyes and you just imagine yourself before the throne of God. And you remember we said that the reason that you have the ability or permission to come to the throne of God is because you have put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this notion or this idea that, that you know, anybody can pray, well, yeah, you can pray, but if you want to pray with results, because really that is the point of praying, isn't it? You want actually something to happen from your prayer. Otherwise, why bother? The way, that you, the way that you experience God moving in your life and doing miracles, folks, is by making sure that you understand that, that it's through Jesus Christ that you have access to the throne of God. Now, if I went to England today and I went and knocked on the front doors of Buckingham Palace, I said, I'd like to see the queen. They'd say, no way. Why not? Well, you don't, you, first of all, you, you, you don't have any qualifications. You don't have the right. You can't, just, you can't just barge into the presence of the majesty of England, of Britain. You've got to be a family member in order to be able to see the queen or talk to the queen anytime you want. Well, folks, that's the way it is with God. You've got to be a family member in order to come to God with your petitions, with your prayer requests, with your needs, just to chat with him. And the way that you, you have that access is by becoming part of the family of God. And that's why we pray our Father, right? Because we're part of his family. Now, this gives us special privileges. We don't have to knock on the front door of, of 
the Garden of Eden and pray and hope that God will let us in. No, we have instant access. That's what it says in Hebrews. We have access to the throne of God because of Jesus Christ, because you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ. And then the next thing we said, is that, so when we're praying this prayer, um, so we've, we've, we've got this setting, we understand we're in his presence, and now we're, we're saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So what you're doing at the very start of your prayer is you're praising him. In other words, you're giving him thanks. Now, here's what I know. Uh, praying uh, as a child is that it's, it's, it's a very immature kind of praying that you do when you're, when you're a child, isn't it? You, you come with your shopping list of things. God, I want this, I want that. Give me this, give me that. And God's saying, hold on a minute here. Let's start this prayer properly. Why don't you stop and actually recognize the answers to prayer that I've already given you? Why don't we stop and consider what God has already done for us? This is, what, this is what Jesus is teaching us. So you're going to begin, before you ask for anything, you're going to begin by thanking him and giving him praise and rejoicing that we are part of his family. When's the last time you thank God for your church or thank God for your, your family, the family of God? You're going to thank him for Jesus. You know, every day I thank God for Jesus Christ, who has given me new life, who's given me abundant life, who's given me the gift of eternity. This is what I praise God for every day, and this is what God wants us to praise him for. We praise our Father in heaven for all the gifts that he has given to us. And then we say, hallowed be thy name. Now, this is where a lot of people, they don't really know what this means. But just, again, I'm recapping here so that you understand. Oh, by the way, uh, next week, I'm going to give everybody a card that they can stick in their Bible, which will act as a guide to help you pray through the Lord's Prayer every day. And by the way, the way to learn how to pray through this prayer is simply through practice, practice, practice. You just keep doing it, and then it flows, becomes very easy. So, hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? Well, simply uh, put, we have the name of God in us and on us. Uh, the Bible describes the tabernacle in the Old Testament as being the place where God's name dwelt. And when you and I became Christians, and when the Holy Spirit was poured out, now the, the name of God shifted from the tabernacle or the temple, and it, it came upon everybody who is a believer. So you and I have the name of God in us. And what we need, are you ready for this? We need God's help to keep his name holy in us. So we need to ask for grace not to bring shame on God's name. Do you know, if you do a little study of this yourself, you can go through the Old Testament and you'll find over and over and over and over again, God warning the children of Israel, do not bring shame on my name. Do not bring shame on the name. And remember, we read in the 23rd Psalm, the Psalm that we all know so well. We, 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 David says that God meets our needs and makes us to lie down in green pastures. Why? For his namesake. And so we recognize that God's name is in us and we need to live a holy life. But the, here's the problem. In your own strength, in your own power, in your own wisdom, you can't do it. You're going to let God down every day, every time. We want to pray and say, Holy Spirit, help me so that whatever comes out of my mouth brings glory to you. Yes, even in your own family, with your own children, you want to make sure whatever comes out of your mouth brings glory to God. When you're interacting with, with, your, with your workmates or with your boss or with your neighbors, whoever you're interacting with, you want to make sure that the Holy Spirit is guiding you so that you're living this holy life in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
because you can't live the holy you can't live this holy life in your own strength. And then we go on to thy kingdom come our second petition and basically we're saying remember God is the king. We recognize he's king Jesus. He's the king of the universe and we want his kingdom to rule in us, right? In our children. Uh, I mean I pray every day God let your rule let your rule just guide our children, our and our family members, my brothers, my sisters, my parents. Uh, God, let your, let your kingdom come to our church and rule over our church. And God, let your kingdom come to Burundi and establish your work there. And we've gone from 40 to 41 churches in the last year, and we want to see more churches. And then we're praying for God's for salvation for our loved ones. Do you remember to pray for the people in your life that don't know Christ? Do you remember to pray for them every day? Your aunts, your uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews, sisters, Children, do you pray for them? And we're supposed to pray every day. Pray for the salvation of the people in our community, the people in Burundi, and that's what we mean when we pray, thy kingdom come. And then we go on to the third petition, which says, uh, thy will be done. We want God's guidance in our life for our children, for our, uh, for our church, for our pastor. We want God's will to be done uh, um, in our missions work. You get, the, you get the drift. And by the way, this third petition, this is where I dwell, that's, that's where I dwell the most uh, in prayer. I, I spend a lot of time at this place because I've got the list of people that I'm praying for and people that, 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 that really need prayer and, and missions work and, and Burundi and the pastors there. I spend a lot of time praying that God's will would be done, that God would teach and instruct. And then the fourth petition, give us today our daily bread. We talked about this last week. We're asking God to speak to us every day, to nourish us by his word. Why is that? Because God said to the children of Israel, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Do you know that even more important than the food you eat is actually the word of God that nourishes your spirit? So if you're not nourishing yourself with the word of God every day, then quite frankly, you, you may very well be spiritually malnutrition, uh, malnourished. You, 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 you may be suffering. You may be in really bad shape spiritually this morning because you haven't been feeding on the word of God. You're in trouble. You're confused. You're, you're, you're constantly falling flat on your face. You're worried. You've got fears that are overwhelming you. You're experiencing anxiety. Come to the word of God. Nourish on it yourself on that word and be charged up and refreshed and it'll change your outlook. And then it says, uh, of course, we, we want God to meet our physical needs, right? Remember we talked last week about the fact that the children of Israel were given manna Manna literally means, what is it? And we said that the children of Israel, they woke up in the morning and all over the ground was, was what looked like cornflakes, frosted flakes maybe, and they're saying, what is it? And, that, and that's what they called their food. They had, what is it, every day. They gathered, what is it, from the ground every day, and God met their needs. Now, I want you to notice something. God wants to meet your needs every day, and you need to trust him to meet your needs every day. And he wants us to think like that so that we don't take, look at this, so we don't take life into our own hands. We all do that, don't we? We all try to take life into our own hands, and God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to trust him. So today we're looking at the fifth petition, and it says, forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now, what makes Christianity different? Uh, and, and 
you know, if I just ask you to, to throw something out there, some of you might say, well, uh, sexual purity is what makes Christianity different from other religions. But in fact, uh, Orthodox Judaism and, and even uh, the Islamic faith, they have even maybe even a higher standard of sexual purity, uh, well, at least as pure. Uh, they, they have a, a high, high premium on that. And, uh, and, and the way that we know that is, I mean, you, you, you never see a Christian woman walking around in a burqa. It's not gonna, you never see them covered from head to toe. Um, we could say, well, maybe it's, maybe it's the protection of human life. Well, there's, uh, there's another religion called Jainism, and they have an even more rigid approach to not harming uh, human beings or, or any life living matter for that th matter. Um, what makes Christianity so different from other religions? Well, this is an intriguing question, and it's so intriguing and so interesting that the CBS News back about 10 months ago did a story on it. And here's what they discovered that, that was so unique about Christianity, and that is, is that we have been called to forgive and to forgive our enemies and to forgive those who have wronged us. Jesus wants us every single day to come before God and have our sins forgiven, but not just have our sins forgiven, because we all want that. I mean, all, most religions will talk about the mercy and the compassion of God or the compassion of the universe or whatever it is that's ruling the universe. But, but in, in Christianity, it specifically says that God forgives us of our sins and that we need to ask for forgiveness. But it goes even further than that. It tells us that we need to forgive others. I want to share the story that CBS shared 10 months ago. It was a story about uh, two men, Jamil McGee and Andrew Collins. Andrew Collins on the right is a police officer, and Jamil McGee, well, he was just walking down the street, minding his own business, not bothering anybody, and suddenly Officer Collins stops him and plants some, uh, some drugs on him, frames him, arrests him, and McGee goes to jail for four years for drug possession. Here's what Andrew Collins, the police officer, says. He said, I, I, I falsified the report. Basically, at the start of the day, I was going to make sure I had another drug arrest. That's what he, you, you talk about quotas? This is what he was trying to do. He was trying to fulfill his own self-imposed quota. He said, and in the end... I put an innocent guy in jail. Now, McGee says, I lost everything. My only goal was to seek out this Andrew Collins when I got home from jail, and then I wanted to really hurt him. Now, most of us would say, well, yeah, that Collins, he deserved it. What a brute, what an evil man. How dare he? He doesn't deserve forgiveness. Which brings me back to what I was saying about the uniqueness of Christianity and its emphasis on forgiveness. Cohen says, honestly, uh, I have no explanation for why I framed McGee. All I can do is say, I'm sorry. And he said that to McGee. McGee says, that was all it took. Quote, that was pretty much all that I needed to hear. He only needed to hear Colin say, I'm sorry. And so what happened, folks, is amazing. These two guys 
became friends. McGee hated Collins, and he certainly deserved to hate him, right? I mean, he stole four years of his life. McGee lost everything. But in that moment, he said, I'm sorry, and McGee forgave him. And here's, uh, here's what happened. McGee, after Collins apologized, said sorry, McGee looked him in the eye. And he says, I love you. Colin said, I just started weeping because McGee doesn't owe me that. I don't deserve that kind of forgiveness. This is what amazed CBS News. They, can't, they couldn't get their head around it. How could anybody possibly forgive somebody for stealing four years of their life and causing the loss of everything he had? And the amazing thing now is that these two guys travel around different churches telling their story, trying to teach people, encourage people, motivate people to forgive. The CBS reporter ended with the following question. If these two guys from the coffee shop, that's where they are in a coffee shop, if these two guys from the coffee shop can set aside their bitter grounds, what's our excuse? And the answer, especially if you're a Christian, is none. You can't hold a grudge. You've got no right to hold a grudge. You shouldn't hold a grudge. Not just because of the great example of McGee and Collins, but because of what Jesus Christ did for you. You stop and think for a moment what you have been forgiven. Considering that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and then ask yourself the question, do I have a right to hold a grudge? Do I have a right, Jesus says every day to pray, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. We need to be reminded every day when we pray to ask God for forgiveness and to forgive those who have sinned against us. Let's just take a quick look at what's all involved in this. Jesus tells us to ask God to forgive us our sins every day. How many know that you are a sinner? There's two of us, three. Well, I've got news for you in case you didn't know it. You're all sinners. Some of you are real wretches. Some of you are just horrible, terrible, terrible people sitting here today. And some are worse than others. And... I wish I could say otherwise, but I have to admit that I'm, I'm with you. I'm in the same category, same camp as you. We are, we are desperately, desperately in need of God's love and forgiveness. Now, here's, here's what you'll discover when you read the Scripture. If you go through the Old Testament alone, the Jewish scholars have discovered that there are 613 laws in the Old Testament and, I mean, many of them don't apply to us in any way, shape, or form, but there are 613 laws. Uh, 248 of them are positive commandments. In other words, you shall do this, and you shall do this, and you shall do this. And there are 365 negative commandments, or do not do that, and do not do that, do not do this. 
And then if you take the Old Testament and the New Testament combined and you go through it, somebody actually did this and they came up with a list of 667 specific sins in the Old and the New Testament. Lots of sin there. None of us can sit down and start going through a checklist every day. I mean, you'd, you'd be spending your whole day just going over your sins. Folks, this is why God gave us the Holy Spirit. Because when you come to this place where you're asking God for, your, for forgiveness, here's what you need to understand. When Jesus Christ left this earth to go back to the Father, after he died on the cross and was resurrected and went to the Father, he made a promise. He said that he would send us the Holy Spirit. And here's why you have the Holy Spirit. is so that God can communicate with you and talk to you. Maybe it's not an audible voice for, for I think, probably 99.9% .9 of us. It's never an audible voice. But there's something inside you that's, that hears what God's saying. And when you go before God every day and pray and say, God, forgive us our sins, the Holy Spirit will remind you of that thing that you need to ask for forgiveness for. He'll say, you need, you'll know, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. This is, this is the wonder and the glory of our faith, is that we have this interactive relationship with, with the king of the universe, with God Almighty. Every day, he's going to point out to you those things that you need to get forgiveness for. And so you go before God and you confess your sin to him, those things that come to your mind instantly. You know, you, you cut that guy off in traffic and the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, that's not what Christians do. Remember the first petition? Hallowed be thy name. You're bringing shame in the name of God. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Lord. Forgive me for that. Remember how you, and the Holy Spirit will say, do you remember how you reacted? Do you remember that came out of your mouth? Do you remember that your attitude? And, oh, yeah, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for my horrible attitude. Give me, let the fruit of the Spirit be rich in my life. Love and joy and peace and patience. This is one God reminds me of every day. Patience, patience, patience. What's God reminding you of? What, what sin is God putting his finger on every day? And here's the thing, folks. When you start coming to God every day and confessing your sin, you begin to grow because every day you're reminded of that area that needs to be confessed, that area that needs to be turned over to God. And, and this is how you grow. This is how you mature. This is how you become a better Christian because the Holy Spirit's pointing out to you that area in your life that needs to be confessed and needs to change. Now, we, we as theologians, we, we see two types of prayer. We have what we call the sin of omission and the, uh, and the sin of commission. By, by sin of omission, what we mean is those, those are sins uh, of things that you know you're supposed to do, but you didn't do it. James chapter 4, um, verse 17 points that out. He says, when you don't do the things you know you're supposed to do, that's a sin. And you need to come before God and confess that. You say, well, Pastor, what would be an example of a sin of omission? Well, uh, you hear that somebody's in need and you refuse to help out. And you know that's what you're supposed to do. The Spirit of God is prompting you, and you say, no, I'm not doing that. That's a sin of omission, and you need to confess that to God, and you need to make it right with God. And then there's a sin of commission when you actually go against what you know God wants you to do. You, 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 you purposely say to God, no, 
Do we have any parents here? Do you, do you remember their, those days with your kids, especially when they're little, and you say, do something, make your bed? No. Eat your cereal? No. Eat your supper? No. Wash your hands and your face? No. This is what you call sins of commission. These are these little, lovely little children. <laughs> these beautiful little darlings are specifically going against your will. This is the sin of commission. Now, the problem is, folks, is that when we get older, too often, or so often, we're still doing that. But again, God wants you to grow. So if every time you come into prayer and you're saying, God, forgive me my sin, and you start, and, and the Spirit of God shows you and points it out to you, and you say, God, forgive me, and God, give me the grace to do better tomorrow, guess what happens, folks? You begin to grow. You begin to mature. You begin, you begin to smarten up. And by the way, uh, God will discipline you, just, just so you know. Not because he hates you, but because he loves you. In fact, it says that in Hebrews 12. God disciplines those that he loves. And this is how you mature. This is how you grow. Every day you come before God say, God, I, I, I messed up again. Forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. And here's the, here's the wonderful news, folks. We have a promise in Scripture that says if we confess our sins to, to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Someone say hallelujah to that. This is the power of the gospel, folks. This is the power of being a Christian, is that you come before God and your sins are washed away. I can tell you, folks, there's a whole world out there who are living under this weight of guilt, of shame, and are desperate, desperate to have that sense of freedom. And I want you to know, when you give your heart to Jesus, when you ask Jesus into your life, Jesus washes away your sin. And then what happens every day when you fail, you come before God, you confess your sins, and it's washed away. Folks, this is the life that Jesus Christ has called us to live, because the one whom the Son has set free is free indeed. This is what Christianity is all about. Walking in freedom so that you don't have the weight of sin on your shoulders. Every day we pray that wonderful petition and forgive us our sins. Oh, that last half of the prayer, wow, that's a tough part. As we have forgiven those who sin against us, it doesn't say and forgive us our sins as we will forgive those who sin against us. It says, as we have forgiven, as in past tense. Folks, this is the only passage of Scripture where Jesus actually creates a footnote. And, and here it is, Matthew 6, 14 to 15, Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer. And he says, oh, and by the way, one more thing. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Great. But, and this is a big but. Nobody likes big buts. If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Hmm. Some of us are desperate to know freedom. And by freedom, what I mean is that sense of joy 
that sense of peace, that calm, that sense of ah, contentment, all is well in the world. That comes, friends, when you make sure that your sins are forgiven and you also forgive others who have sinned against you. And I know most of you here today, and I know the stories that most of you have. I know your background. I know the, I know the horrible, horrible suffering and pain that you've been through. I know some of you have been molested. Some of you have, have lost your, your, your livelihood. Uh, some of you had jobs, and, 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 and you've lost your job. People have said nasty things to you. They've really hurt you. In fact, you're pretty sure that that person has done it on purpose, just out of spite, just because they hate you. And you're so hurt, and you think, I don't think I, don't think I can forgive this. Pastor, you don't know what he did to me. You don't know what she said to me. You don't know how deeply they have hurt me. And Pastor Allen, quite frankly, you know, I, I'm willing to go on with God, but I want nothing to do with that person, and, and I really hope that God teaches them a lesson. I wish, I wish that I could say, you know what, you're right. Just forget about it. Just go on. Um, hold that grudge. Nurse that grudge. And I'll, I'll pray with you that God strikes him with lightning. I'll pray with you that God kills him, kills her. <laughs> Why do you think Hollywood does so well? They come up with these great stories of revenge, and the bad guy gets it. And we all think, and we're we all sort of living vicariously through that movie, aren't we? We're thinking, yes, the bad guy got it. But this is not Christianity, my friends. This is not our faith. This is not what we believe. As Christians, we believe in forgiving those who have sinned against us. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Folks, we need to pray this every day so that we don't give the devil a foothold in our life. The Bible says very clearly that if we harbor anger or bitterness in our heart, it says this in Ephesians, then you literally give the devil a foothold in your life. You, you give the devil a free reign in your marriage, in your family, and even in church. We don't want to do that, obviously. It doesn't, make, it doesn't even make sense, but that's what we do when we don't forgive. And so every day, we've got to keep a short account with God. We've got to make sure that our debts, our sins are taken care of, and we've got to forgive. Remember this, if God can forgive you your sins, then you can forgive others their sins. Six years ago, Kate and Andy Grossmeyer received news that is every parent's worst nightmare. Their daughter, Anne, had been shot in the head by her fiancé, Connor McBride. Andy rushed to the hospital, and he looked at his dear, dear, darling daughter in in unimaginable grief and pain, horrible suffering. What parent doesn't look at his child and say, I wish I could go through that for you. I don't want you to suffer. But there's his daughter dying at the hand of her fiance. And he describes the 
horrible, bitter rage that rises up in his heart. And he wants immediately to go to, from that hospital room to find that Connor and kill him himself. And who of us here would blame Andy for avenging his daughter? But as he looked at his daughter, he closed his eyes and he said, God, I don't know how I'm ever going to deal with this. And in that moment, he says, I heard my daughter's voice say, Dad, forgive him. Dad, forgive him. He said, I was so shocked by that. He said, it shocked me out of my rage. And, he, and I was reminded in that moment that I am a Christian. I was reminded in that moment that I belong to Jesus Christ and I remembered what Jesus had done for me. And so rather than being filled with rage and wanting to kill Connor, he suddenly felt a great urge to forgive him and to do what he could to restore Connor. Now, understand this. This family, they, uh, <laughs> you would think, are they mentally ill? No. They knew the damage that McBride had done to their daughter, and they still feel the pain that that damage inflicted on them. Anne's mother, Kate, she says, forgiving Connor doesn't change the fact that Anne is not with us. I walk by her empty bedroom at least twice a day. Twice a day reminded of the pain that they've been through. But here's what Andy and Kate Grossmeyer say. Saying yes to forgiveness was the only way forward from this unimaginable loss. Connor, listen to this, owed us a debt. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those, as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Connor owed us a debt. He sinned against us. He trespassed against us. He owed us a debt he could never repay. But releasing him from that debt would release us from expecting that anything in this world could satisfy us. They understood the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus' teaching in that moment of great pain and suffering. And here's the amazing thing. This crime happened in Florida, which still has the death penalty. Connor McBride was on his way to death row. But the Grossmeyers, touched by God, asked the prosecutor for leniency on the man who killed their daughter. They asked for mercy. I want to ask you today, that person who's offended you, who has hurt you, who has sinned against you, that person who you feel has let you down that's not worthy, that person that you feel is the bane of your existence, you need to forgive them. You need to let it go. And if you know that somebody 
has been hurt by you? If when you go to pray and it suddenly comes to you, you know what, I think I, think I offended her. I think I might have offended him. I think I might have hurt her feelings. I think I might have hurt his feelings. Then here's what Jesus says. He says, if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar, that is, if you're worshiping God, if you're in church worshiping God in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. That is, stop your worshiping and go and do the most important thing. Go and be reconciled to that person then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Then come and worship God. You see, Pastor Allen, this is impossible. Who on earth can live out that kind of Christianity? And the answer is no one. I can't do that. I can't forgive that one that has sinned against me, that's talked about me behind my back, that has stabbed me for years in the back. I can't forgive that person. But you see, this is precisely why Jesus said, when I go, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Because you can't live this way on your own. You can't live this Christian life where you're the one that takes the initiative to make things right with other people, that you're the one who says, I'm sorry, that you're the one that says, I forgive you. The disciples one day listening to Jesus' teaching, they just said, it's impossible. You can live like this. And Jesus said, exactly, that's right. Nobody can live like this. But with God, all things are possible. You can't live this Christian life in your own strength, your own power, your own energy, your own wisdom. There's nobody here that's that good. In fact, there's nobody on the planet that is that good. And this is precisely why you and I need the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. You've heard the scriptures say, pray in the Spirit. You, know, you want to know how to pray in the Spirit? Pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray every day. And watch what God will do in your life. You say, Pastor, I feel like my prayers aren't being answered. Well, this petition that I'm teaching you today is the key to answer prayer. You start praying and forgiving the people who have hurt you and offended you and made fun of you and put you down and stabbed you in the back and, or literally stabbed you. You start forgiving and letting the Spirit of God take control of your mind and your heart. My friends, it will revolutionize your prayer life. Now suddenly you're going to hear from God in ways that you never heard before, and God's going to start answering prayer and start doing the miracles in your life that you're looking for. But I'm going to tell you, you've got to do it his way. And if he says to forgive others their sin, then you do that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you refuse to forgive, then the heavens will become brass your prayers will bounce off the ceiling. They're not going to go anywhere. But when you forgive, the heavens are open wide. God starts to hear your prayer. It starts to answer, and miracles begin to flow. How many here today want to see miracles happen in their life? Hallelujah. I know I do. Would you stand with me, please? And we're going to pray. God, we thank you today for this, this brilliant prayer, the most the most important verses in the whole Bible that teach us what it means to walk with you every day. 
that teaches us what it means to communicate and connect with you, to experience your spirit working in us and through us. God, some of us today are holding unforgiveness in our heart, and even as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is revealing it. Even as I'm speaking it, a name pops up in your head, a face is popping up in your mind, and you know that's a person you either need to forgive or go ask forgiveness from. God, would you do a a miracle in our church? Would you set everybody free? Would you set everybody free here today, God, and enable every single person here today to start living the way you've called us to live? Asking for forgiveness and giving forgiveness. We thank you today for Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. We pray now for grace. Pray for your Holy Spirit to strengthen each one. And we pray all that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, Jesus has forgiven you.